Hey, Shakes Pals. Happy Thursday. I want to start off today uh, by acknowledging Nora Williams and my very first total shutout on this podcast. Y'all, I have argued that Tamara from Titus was the best mom. I argued that seven-year-old Mamilius from The Winter's Tale was the worst villain. But never until this week have I gotten zero votes in the entire week. So I think it's pretty clear that Posthumus is the most foolish character in all of Shakespeare. But well done to Nora. Thank you so much again for being on. And thank you all for voting. It was sad, but accurate. So this week, we are talking about Shakespeare's best song. We've touched on songs a little bit in the Fool and Clown episodes, but this is a whole episode dedicated to music, and we've got some great links in the show notes for you, so you can check out some of the versions of the songs that we mentioned throughout the show. It was great to have Patrick on. I'm really grateful for his musical expertise, and I'm excited for you all to hear it. Reminder that we do have a Patreon, and we've got some new spicy stuff up there. We're starting a series of character-specific monologue choices, kind of like underdone monologues if you're going for, let's say, I don't know, Beatrice. Um, here are a couple pieces that might be great for those kinds of characters. So patreon.com slash p2mpod. Check it out. We are having a great time over there. We also have stickers. Heck yeah. Who doesn't love stickers? I know I love them. So I hope you do too. Thank you for being here. Thank you, as always, for liking, sharing, rating, and reviewing. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head-to-head each week, and you get to decide who wins. All right, so this week we are getting musical. It's a musical, Shakespeare's, and with me I have actor and singer Patrick Vaughn. Thank you so much, Patrick, for being here. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. It's good to be here. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who who are you? Okay, uh, well, I am an actor, singer, and a sometime mover. Okay. From Louisville, from Louisville, Kentucky, born and raised, and lived most of my life there. Um, I received my uh, Bachelor of Arts in Music from the University of Louisville, class of 2004. Somewhere along the line, I had my horizons broadened to appreciate non-musical theater as well. Uh, I credit a lot of that to my time working as a volunteer at Actors Theater of Louisville, which they've done Shakespeare. They've done an annual festival of new plays called the Humana Festival, which is well known in the country and abroad as well. And then much later, I had the opportunity to study Chekhov for six weeks uh, in Russia at the Moscow Art Theater School. Oh, dang. Yeah, yeah. We could do a whole special episode. Uh, Which (laughs) of Chekhov's guns is the best gun? (laughs) (laughs) That that would be a good one, yeah. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer as an actor. I, uh, I didn't get to do my apprenticeship until I was 35. 
And I didn't get to study abroad until the next year when I was 36. That's yeah. so great, though. So, but yeah, it's, a lot of actors my age are just starting to slow down and I'm just getting started and it feels great. I love that so much. That's so great. And where can people find what you're up to? You can check me out on Facebook, Patrick Vaughn. That's V as in Viking, A-U-G-H-N. I'm also on Instagram at patmanforever2016. Yes, I'm aware <laughs> of the, uh, the corniness of this pun, but I don't care. <laughs> I mean, corny puns are the best type of puns, I think. I mean, and, I would ban all puns if it were up to me, but it's not. <laughs> Burn them all down. Ban all puns. Never. The older I, <laughs> the older I get, I guess this is to my credit. The less dad my jokes, I try to make them. <laughs> sure. Yes, I. I think you'd have to have one or two kids at my age to uh, start spouting off dad jokes, and I can't afford them. So. <laughs> All right. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter also on Patrick Vaughn uh, at PatVaughn82. Nice. Well, let's talk music. So yes. Shakespeare has a ton of songs in his plays. Um, and this is a kind of the topic is best song. And this topic is pretty loaded uh, because there are so many and I gave you pretty much no parameters. Uh, so I'm excited to hear what you, how you interpreted that. Okay. Um, so for you, what is the best song in all of Shakespeare? Well, I thought long and hard about Blow, Blow Thou Winter Wind from As You Like It, coming as it does on the opposite end of the same scene as the one of the most famous soliloquies in Shakespeare. And for those who don't know the play, you certainly know the speech I'm talking about. It's the one that begins, all the world's a stage. Never heard of it. <laughs> really? Well, well, in that case. <laughs> You're no, like, oh, I this mean, is you know. going to be easier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but it's a melancholy speech. And coming on the other end of that scene is one of Shakespeare's most melancholy songs. It has to do with the cruelty of human nature and uses nature at large as a, as a metaphor because the lyrics include, blow, blow, thou winter wind, thou art not so unkind as man's ingratitude. Thy tooth is not so keen because thou art not seen, although thy breath be rude. Hey-ho, sing, hey-ho, unto the green holly. Most friendship is feigning, most loving, mere folly. Then hey-ho, the holly, this life is most jolly. Freeze, freeze, thou bitter sky, that dost not bite so nigh, as benefits forgot. Though thou the waters warp, thy sting is not so sharp, as friend remembered not. Hey-ho, sing, hey-ho, until... Unto the green holly, excuse me. Um, I like this song because, and the one that I actually uh, chose instead of it, okay. which was, um, it was a lover and his last from the same play, because I thought that they, both in equal measure, 
or a good summation of what the of the play's themes blow blow thou winter wind because it has to do with betrayal there are two betrayals between brothers that are at the heart of uh, of the play that sort of drive the uh, plot but i ultimately decided that it was a lover in his last was a better indicator of the play's themes as a romantic comedy and also how spring redeems all of these characters as does love and for you stephanie how would you feel about arguing in favor of oh mistress mine from 12th night um i would feel very strongly about that um i i had mentioned before we before we uh started recording that i have a favorite song with a favorite cover in Shakespeare. And you're actually very close to <laughs> that choice. Um, and y'all, if you want to hear uh, what I would have picked, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash p2mpod, where you will hear my monthly recap of what I would have picked. Um, <laughs> but I do love Oh Mistress Mine. I have directed Twelfth Night like 18,000 times. Um, and so I, the music from Twelfth Night is really really wonderful uh so i'm excited for this but why don't you go ahead and talk about lover and his last because that's another one that like you say the name of it and i can start singing it immediately in my head so i'm excited to i'm excited to hear well i've heard lover and his last um set many different times because i've probably seen as you like it more than any other shakespeare <laughs> play it's a popular one and and so it gets produced quite a lot uh, where 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 I am. My favorite setting of it was actually the one that I used in my audition for your production of uh, Winter's Tale. And that was uh, actually a bluegrass setting that was composed by my friend Aaron Beeblehauser. And if you'd like uh, a link, I can provide that for you as well, Every, because everybody deserves to hear it, I think. <laughs> yes. But... Um, I, I love the themes that it includes, um, particularly the theme of uh, the redemptive power of love, but also um, it touches on an element of melancholy as well, uh, particularly in the third verse, I think. This carol, they began that hour with a hey and a ho and a hey nani no, how that life was but a flower. In springtime, the only pretty ring time when birds do sing, hey, ding-a-ding-ding, -ding, sweet lovers love the spring. And in the performing of this song for my audition for you, I realized something that I hadn't before, which is that that third line, how that life was but a flower, is not as jolly as it seems. It has an opposite end to the coin, because flowers die, just as human beings do. And there is that element that's in common with the other song from As You Like It, Blow, 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 Thou Winter Wind, which has its, its hey-ho chorus as well, which is that life should be enjoyed and the moment seized, as it were, while you can. Because spring dies, flowers die, love dies, everything dies. <laughs> but... There's Best a lot song, of everybody. It's but true a, to Shakespeare. Everyone dies. 
this is true. Um, but <laughs> there's a lot of good times to be had along the way. And unless you're, I've heard his name pronounced differently in every production of As You Jacques. Like It I've ever heard. Jacques, I've heard it. Jake's, I've heard it. Jaquees. <laughs> yes. Unless you're him, and even he to an extent is redeemed at the end of As You Like It. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really no point in brooding your life away as he does to a certain extent or 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 studying your life away in an ascetic setting as the men of Love's Labor's Lost do because then you miss so much. Okay. All right, all right, all right. But Patrick, have you considered I'm getting off topic with <laughs> with, you know, this comparisons these comparisons to the other songs. No, I think that's I think that's really interesting and I actually as you I've really seen this um, this song as kind of a celebration of spring, but as you were talking about it, I see a little bit more. Um, I see a little bit more of a reflection in "Oh Mistress Mine" as well, because mm. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show "Crazy Ex-Girlfriend," but it's a, it's a great show. Uh, it is a musical, and there is a song in it called "Settle for Me." <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically when I read Oh Mistress Mine, the modern equivalent for me is Settle For Me. Uh, I think it's Santino Fontana who sings it in the show. And it's because <laughs> um, th- that's basically what this song is. It's, hey, why are you looking for someone who might not even exist? I'm right here. Um, and I think that a lot of times we we think about the idea of settling as something that's negative and bad and that was always you know in my life I was like I will never settle for anything but when you spend so long chasing something that doesn't exist that you miss something that's been right in front of you for a you know decade or more like there's so much uh there's so much more sadness in that I think and that's something that resonates with me a lot and I am in a place where I'm happier than I've ever been because I, I stopped. Like I stopped and paused for just five seconds to look around me instead of like just an eye on a non-existent future. That's great. And so I, I see a lot of that. And there's so much hope in this song. What's to come is still unsure. In delay there lies not plenty. Then come kiss me sweet in 20. Youth's the stuff will not endure. Like, we're not getting any younger. We have a whole future ahead of us that can grow. Like, we can grow this love as long as as long as we live. And it'll just keep growing. Uh, and that's what I, that's why I love this song so much, because there's so much hope for happiness in it. Absolutely. Um, and it has that uh, element of, of seizing the present time, or uh, as Shakespeare put it, so much better, um, and therefore <laughs> take the present time for love is crowned with the prime. Right. Uh, it's the same sentiment echoed in It Was a Lover in His Last. These songs, these two songs have a lot in common, and these two plays have a lot in common, I yes. found. Yeah. More than just the device of the, <laughs> the uh, heroine um, <laughs> dressing up as a boy, although that does tend to confuse a lot of people between the two of them. Yeah, they really are. Uh, they're parallel too in in the idea of uh, 
kind of there's a lot of hesitancy and commitment in both of these plays, which I think is really yes. interesting. And one of those, I don't think we talk about it enough in um, As You Like It for that, because we're, we've got so many different angles that that's coming from. Uh, but I just think it's a really cool kind of uh, mirror to uh, Twelfth Night where we see it very clearly. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And uh, a brief tie-in with last week's episode. The great thing about uh, As You Like It is that the fool in that episode, Touchstone, and his mistress, Audrey, you know, are much less hesitant than the hero and heroine to do what we all know they're going to do <laughs> by the end anyway. You know, they're much better at seizing the present time. Yeah. And in that regard, he, like many of Shakespeare's clowns, is the fool who speaks with the voice of the wise man. Well, no, so this is an interesting thing um, because we get that very clearly from Feste in Twelfth Night. We get that, uh, you know, fool who is wise. And now Touchstone doesn't sing this song. Touchstone doesn't sing any of the songs in As You Like It. So That is true. What? How does the meaning of this song change when it's First Lord? I think it's just First Lord sings this song. I've seen productions where the first lord is combined with the role of Amiens, as it was okay. uh, at Kentucky Shakespeare uh, two years ago, I think it was, which is the production that my favorite version of this song, my favorite recording of this song uh, comes from. It worked very well, both for, uh, mostly for economic reasons, sure. but... I had actually forgotten that Touchstone does not sing this because in that production, everybody plays music, everybody plays instruments, and Touchstone and Audrey did play their instruments along with Amian singing that song. So thank you for reminding me of that. Yes. That is cool. In fact, Touchstone kind of dismisses yeah. the song at the <laughs> end of it. Out of tune, out of tune. A point okay. that I had forgotten, but <laughs> entirely relevant. He's, irre he's irreverent enough that he can inspire the song and then dismiss it at the same time, which is the great thing about Touchstone. Nothing is sacred with him. <laughs> that is true. Um, so then my next question, because we're looking at these poetically, or we've yes. been looking at these pretty much poetically through this. How do you, like when you, because you're a, you're a musician, I am not. I <laughs> uh, can listen to something and pretend to sing it back, but like I'm not a musician by any stretch of the imagination. Um, when you look at lyrics like this, what goes through your mind of how do I make this a song off the page? And like how is one of these easier than the other to do that? Well, to me, um, It Was a Lover in His Last is more adaptable to my ear because I'm used to hearing different versions of it with each production of As You Like It that I see. Whereas, Oh, Mistress Mine, I've kind of grown attached to the Roger Quilter version uh, through my very early voice lessons years ago when I first started singing. Um, that setting of Oh, Mistress Mine was introduced to me by my first voice teacher Michael Neely, who has since passed on, and, and God rest his soul. Um, I, didn't, I didn't actually know 
what it was from. I didn't see my first production of Twelfth Night until years later. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that, I remember that song. That's where yeah. it comes from. Yeah. And, and since then, I've, I've never been able to get the quilter setting out of my mind. Interesting. I'll have to, um, I'll have to listen to that. And we will, uh, we will link what we can in the show notes. So if, you, if y'all have favorite versions of these songs, too, please send them along. Because I associate O Mistress Mine with the Trevor Nunn film. Um, and so that just like plays in my head whenever I hear those words. And it's kind of cool to have to get to hear different interpretations because I don't have a wide breadth of interpretations that I can like call up in my memory. It's like, like you said, one just kind of gets stuck in there and I like that one. So I like the song. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely have to listen to uh, the Trevor Nunn version of A Mistress Mine and you'll definitely have to listen to the Roger Quilter, which is, is very lyrical. I'm not really warmed up, but I'll, I'll sing a couple bars of it. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stay and hear your true love's coming that can sing both high and low. Trip no further, pretty sweeting. Journeys end in lovers' meeting. Every wise man's son doth know. So, you know, it's it's... A pretty straightforward, sincere, romantic, as adapted by Quilter. Whereas in Shakespeare, it's sung by the jester. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And the, the um, Ben Kingsley is the one who sings it in the Trevor Nunn film. And it's got a much uh, like, uh, it's got a much lighter feel to it. So I think that's really fun. And it always seems to me like a light song. So I think that uh, getting to hear the different ways that it can be. I'm not sure with Lover and His Last. I don't know how, because um, like the version I have of that is very like light and not poppy, but it's very bright. And I don't know how you, much room there is to kind of play with that, especially with the themes that it's, uh, or like the imagery that it has in it. Well, uh, one interesting thing that I found out in my research for this recording was that original sheet music from Thomas Morley, who was the generation after Shakespeare, still exists. And so, yeah. So in addition to all the modern settings, uh, including the bluegrass setting, which is my personal favorite, um, you can actually go back to almost the beginning of the play's existence to like one generation removed from Shakespeare and see how Thomas Morley said it and get a good sense of how it would have sounded to Shakespeare's contemporaries. That's so cool. Uh, we should link that one we should as well. You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Morley's been dead long enough. I'm sure his <laughs> music is in the public domain by now. Hey, uh... Hey, hey, Mr. Morley, do you mind if we link your music on our podcast? <laughs> Can we get the uh, rights to share that out? Um, no, that's so cool. I had no idea that we had sheet music from just that time period in general from these songs. I just, and I haven't done a lot of research into it, but that's really cool to know. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. I, to I didn't it. know that either until, um, until I was preparing to have this discussion with you. Yeah. 
Well, that's super cool. And there are a lot more Shakespeare songs than I than I realized because mm-hmm. so much of it I haven't read yet. Um, as you as you know, I've kind of made it my goal for this year to read through all thirty eight or thirty nine of, of of his plays before this year is out. One play a week, one act each weekday. Weekends off, unless I want to, you know, do some further analysis, read some study guides, Cliff's notes, whatever, you know, to help. Uh, deepen my understanding and appreciation of what I've just read. Yeah, and y'all, we're going to have so. Patrick back on once he has successfully done this to give us an objective take on which of Shakespeare's plays is the best. Yeah, so. once I can <laughs> give an informed opinion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, so, listeners, what do y'all think? Uh, oh, Mistress Mine versus There Was a Lover in His Lass. Um, which of these do you love? Which of these do you have favorite versions of? Which song is objectively better? Let us know. You can vote on Twitter at P2MPod or on Facebook.com slash P2MPod. And Patrick, thank you so much for doing this. Let people know again where they can find you. Thank you, Stephanie. You can find me on Facebook. The name is Patrick Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N. Uh, same on Twitter at patvon82, and on Instagram at patmanforever2016. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Patrick, for being here, and we will see y'all next week. Serious business.